0: It's a lifestyle, exactly how it sounds. I want the business to support my lifestyle, the income level I'm looking for, the stress that I'm okay with, all of those things.
1: That's the voice of Wes Lewis, owner of James Wesley Furniture. And I'm excited to talk with him right after this word from our sponsor. This show is brought to you by our sponsor, Jobber. Jobber brings people and technology together by keeping jobs on track, customers happy, and your business organized. Jobber also just recently launched a new grant program, Boost by Jobber, a program providing $100,000 to 20 small local home service businesses across the U.S. and Canada. So whether you're just starting your business or you're a well-established business, you're invited to apply for a grant. Just visit BoostByJobber.com. That's BoostByJobber.com. Hello and welcome to Building a Furniture Brand with Ethan Abramson, the show that talks about the business behind the furniture business. On this episode, I sit down with Wes Lewis, owner of the Wichita, Kansas-based furniture company, James Wesley Furniture. Wes is on a mission to build high-quality, heirloom, custom furniture with no room for anything below perfect. Whether it's a 20-foot slab table, a custom chair for a music legend, or something as simple as a slow-pour coffee stand, His craftsmanship is what stands him apart. His story is one that a lot of people can relate to. He just wants to build furniture and get paid for it. He's happy being a small shop. He's happy getting to pick and choose the projects he takes on. It's the dream of so many furniture makers out there to have something that they can call their own. In a world where so many companies go under, this goal is a lofty one, but he's made it happen. Just like the high quality furniture he builds, he wants a high quality of life too. And that is how he runs his business. While some people dream of expansion, hundreds of employees, and world domination for their furniture, he dreams of just the opposite. Carving out a sustainable living that he can grow old with.
0: I love what I do. I love getting to build furniture. um, But the business side of it is really hard and is not my personality at all. Uh, so when I, when I say necessity, um, it was also because my the job that I was in, I was managing a uh, metal fab shop, uh, part of a family business. And uh, I was like, I'm not great at managing people. I can't do this anymore. So we tried and tried and tried to make it work for me. And a mentor of mine told me, he said, when, uh, when are you going to stop waiting on everyone else to fix your problem. And uh, so that kind of really hit me in the stomach and I kind of took off from there. Uh, With the fab side, I loved furniture and uh, building things out of metal, but I like combining them with wood. And uh, then the wood took over on the journey at some point. Uh, But so you'll see in my stuff, I still have wood and metal, um, but really it, it started out of necessity. Uh, because I couldn't stand my job anymore.
1: That's really the age-old story, isn't it? Not just in, in woodworking, but in every industry, in every business. You work for somebody else and then it hits you. One, one day you just say, what would it be like if I if I did this on my own? It's not for everyone. Some people have that feeling, but they don't want to make that jump. And I get that, I truly do. It's nice to have someone take all the responsibility dealing with the issues and you just do your thing and at the end of the day you go home and at the end of the week you get a paycheck and that's it it's a good feeling but then there are some people some people that that have that feeling and they take that jump that forge their own path and see where it leads
0: yeah no i think another thing that really sticks out to me in the process of kind of converting it to like a full time job, uh, I am creative and that it is an outlet. So there is definitely that side of uh, of why I got into it. Uh, in addition to the I'm not made for this normal uh, nine to five job thing.
1: <laughs> That's the beauty of woodworking and and also the nightmare of woodworking if we're all being honest with ourselves it's not a nine to five job it's a physical job physically demanding but also you're building things in the physical world and that's hard but for the right people it's equally rewarding a perfect transition from you saying that you started your own thing so you didn't have to work with people you ready for this it's it's a good one how do you work with people With clients, with designers, and people who want to buy your furniture. When you work for someone else, you can just sit back in the shop and build. But when you're running your own company, it's a very people-facing business. You need to sell. How does the process of selling a piece of furniture, a piece of your work, start for you?
0: Yeah, no, I think um, really I start off... Uh, uh, somebody will bring an idea or something they've seen me make in the past. So that's where the portfolio side is important. You've seen my work, you see my skill set, and they want to work with me because of that. So uh, around here, there's not too many people doing the custom furniture thing. So when somebody says they can build it from the ground up, that's like uh, awesome around to all the designers, the other uh, people, clients that I have. Uh, Really, it it's just kind of sitting down and having a conversation. They've seen my work, they love it and they they want a little bit of that. So (laughs) it starts with the conversation.
1: And that's where it should start. You've built a portfolio of beautiful work and people want that from a strictly business side. When does that initial conversation turn into a job, into a job that you're charging for?
0: Yeah, no, I think that's, that's a really, that's a hard thing for me is uh, I I would give it all away if I could, <laughs> uh, just because I really enjoy what I do. Um, but there, I've been burned a lot on uh, starting a project, uh, because they were in a rush and really needed it. And they really we excited, and then the check never came through. So uh, that I've been burned on that side. So I've learned. Um, I I did a, a job is not a job until I get a deposit. So there are some people that I know uh, that will uh, have a consultation fee. Um, I haven't. I've considered that, but I haven't moved into that. Um, I usually tell people like I'm not going to give you an official design like that we work on back and forth until there's a deposit. Uh, so we'll, I, uh, you want to call it a bar napkin or whatever, we'll, we can throw out some basic ideas, but if the actual design, like in, I use SketchUp a lot um, for like a 3D rendering. Uh, if we're going to do that level, I don't do that until I have a deposit and I'm calling that a confirmed job.
1: Client likes your portfolio, you like client. Client likes your design, pricing is good, you're going forward with it. You got the job. You said you've been burned before, so I'm sure you've thought a lot about this. What's your pay structure for a project look like?
0: Yeah, so right now I, I am on the 50-50 side. Um, I've run into a lot of random scenarios where either the job is gonna be a really long process or it's a really, uh, large upfront costs uh, like a 20 plus feet conference table, the slabs on it are a huge chunk of the cost. Uh, So a 50% deposit, those, the bigger jobs actually, you can't mark up as much as uh, some of the smaller ones is what it ends up because the numbers just get ridiculous sometimes. Uh, But really what has happened to me is with the 50-50, I've run into times where I've sat on the job for so long that now we put all this time and money and effort into it. We've used the the uh, the cushion that was in that number and now I'm, I'm needing to be paid, but I can't deliver the job for whatever reason or um, we're waiting on payment or whatever. So then, by the time the second half comes around, it's like, man, I really wish I would have split this into three payments uh, or something like that.
1: That right there is custom furniture in a nutshell. Each job is different. Each new job is different and comes with its own challenges, whether it's building or pricing or dealing with clients. You've been doing this a long time and you are successful at it. But like you've just shown, there isn't always a one size fits all scenario when you go
0: with the 50 percent when do you collect the second half
1: when you deliver at the delivery after the delivery
0: yeah no i again i live and learn (laughs) uh i've i've had the i've had experiences on both sides where uh somebody it just never was paid for so but that one i i never delivered so i now i'm sitting on a piece of that I wish I wouldn't be sitting on, but I am. And, uh, I didn't get paid for it. I kept it though, but I've also had the experience where I've delivered it. And then a month later of me checking in every week, I'm asking, where's this, where's the payment at, uh, where's the payment at and it, it's due on receipt. <laughs> so, um, it's, uh, I've had designers tell me "Well, I haven't been paid or construction company. Well, I haven't been paid yet. And I'm like, well, why does that bother or why does that affect me? I'm my piece is done. <laughs> I need to be paid. Uh, so it's it's kind of this. I don't have a hard rule of like, I'm not going to deliver it unless I have money. Uh, but it's a risk. It's definitely a risk to not get the money up front.
1: It's such a delicate balance. And I know that people listening know exactly what I'm talking about because the reason you get work how you make your money yes is based on your portfolio your quality of work but it is also based on your customer service and how easy it is to work with you and there is that balance between saying okay i i know you're good for it send me the check next week not a problem and the other side of you being a ruthless titan of industry and saying no check no furniture." and taking the piece home and potentially burning that project, burning that client and losing future projects, all because you drew a line in the sand. We have heard all those excuses. The client is paying later or I'll have it to you next week and a majority of the time it's the truth. But that isn't your fault. Just like if you didn't have money to pay your lumber supplier, you couldn't tell the client that their project won't be ready on time they can't turn around and do the same
0: thing to you. Yeah. No, it's, it's an interesting thing uh, when it, it comes to money. <laughs> the most important part at the end of the day. Um, it, I've had the worst experiences uh, with, with that scenario. So it's, it's a big deal. <laughs>
1: it comes down, end of the day, to getting the money that is owed you and there isn't only one way to do that if you listen to the other episodes of the show there are a bunch of successful people who you will hear go about collecting money in all different ways there is no right answer to this question there is just a right answer for how you want to run your own business let's switch topics and jump into advertising And I say advertising as a big umbrella word for getting your name out there and getting business. You are in Wichita, Kansas, which I'm sure is a wonderful, wonderful place, but I'm also sure you'll agree that it's probably not the bustling hub for the furniture trade that you'd want it to be. What have you found to be the best place to put your effort into getting your name out there so you can get more business?
0: Yeah, um, good work, (laughs) good relationships, uh, to be honest, uh, that I don't do a, a ton of advertisement. Uh, I don't pay f- for specific advertising. Um, I've I've gone to shows and put money towards that effort, local local areas, um, art shows, things like that, and I've gotten a lot of success from that. Uh, I've had success at shows, and then I went back the next year, and it was nothing uh, out of the deal. So. What has helped me the most has actually been good work and word of mouth and relationships. So, I I present this piece. The client loves it. If it's if they're the the person that contacted me in the beginning, um, I've had the repeat work from that. So that's obviously they they like it enough to come back. Uh, the the designers that I've worked with we we've, we've built the relationship side where they trust me. They know I'm going to I'm going to come through with everything that I say. They're going to get exactly what they want and their customer is going to be happy at the end. So, that has done really well.
1: I'll bring this up because you probably won't on your own. But you are over 75,000 followers on Instagram. That's a big deal. Does success in social media play into success for getting more work?
0: So, I used to say that Instagram maybe at 25,000 followers, which is a huge number to a lot of people. um, And it was an awesome thing, but I used to say like, no, Instagram doesn't really do anything for me. It's just fun for me to share the work and people get to see it participate. Um, At this point at 70,000, it is a big part of uh, the people coming in, not not nationwide or anything. It's still local, uh, for the most part, um, within a couple hours drive would be the furthest that would be my typical customer. Uh, but almost every person, it might not be the reason that they ended up going with me or chose me. Uh, but they will comment on the Instagram side and say like, yeah, I love watching your stuff this I love that and so it kind of builds this it builds up their anticipation of like they're going to do a custom piece someday and they 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 follow this story even though it's nothing related to what they're wanting they enjoy it somehow they found me somehow somebody said hey you got to follow this guy uh, and then it, it always comes up it's interesting how like I said I don't think it it sold the job, just me having a, an Instagram number, but it definitely contributes uh, more than it did in the beginning, I think.
1: This is an interesting new phenomenon with social media going hand in hand with how so many people are running their businesses. There is this inside look, an inside look that clients and really anyone else who decides to follow along can get on a piece that is being built in your shop. As somebody who's very active on social media, what do you think about this? Hate it. (laughs) Yeah, strong words. I I know you're joking a little bit, but there is probably a little seriousness in there as well because it's stressful building things and showing them to the world. And it's even more stressful when you know a client is watching because they see how it's made. They get to see behind the curtain and see what goes into their piece. It's not just delivering a beautiful piece. They get to follow step by step and it's not always pretty there. There are mistakes.
0: I don't like the fact that some people are watching it, expect for you to work on their stuff. And that pressure is the negative side of it that I don't like. It's like, man, you don't understand. I have a lot of other people that I'm working with. And just because it's not on Instagram doesn't mean that I'm not working on your piece. <laughs> so it's not a live stream to my shop, even though it's fairly accurate time-wise of what I'm currently working on, it's not a live stream. So that has, that has kind of been an annoyance from the customer having this awesome look into the shop. Uh, but on the same hand, I like getting to tease them with it. They see kind of, oh, wow, he's started on that slab. I recognize that slab. Um, and so that that is fun. I usually will reserve like the final, finished pictures and stuff like that till the they've actually seen it and it's been installed or delivered. Uh, and mostly that's because it hasn't happened yet. Once I when I deliver it, that's when I'm getting the photos. So I, uh, that's kind of how it plays out.
1: You say annoyed, but I'm sure annoyed for you is just a smile and a shrug, and then you know on to the next thing. You you seem like you have the client relationship part down pretty well. People like working with you, and you like working with your clients. When when you work with designers, do you offer designer discounts uh, to the trade pricing that kind of thing?
0: Yeah, I think I heard somebody I don't remember I have no idea who it was on a podcast was saying something like Yeah, I'll give you a discount after I get some work from you. Don't I'm not just because you have these cool clients doesn't mean I need to automatically give a discount. Um, so I've kind of, that kind of rang true to me and that's kind of how I treated it. Um, but really the only thing, the only time that I've really discounted work would be in a batch for a specific client that they're working on. So we've got five things going. Okay. I can eat some of the cost here or, we can move the numbers around and play that game uh, on these pieces. But as far as me continuously working with uh, a designer one-on-one all the time, I don't necessarily give just a discount for that. Um, And the reason is I'm, I don't know how many people are aware of my shop, but right now it is just me in the shop. So (laughs) sales, everything, design, uh, building the furniture, delivering the furniture, the entire process from start to finish is just me. So I don't, my time is valuable. A discount is just not what my business is.
1: Following along those lines, let's talk about scaling. You could grow your business. You have the amount of work coming in that it would not be a stretch for you to have employees in your shop, but that does change your business. It changes your business model you start becoming a manager as well as a woodworker. And the more you take on, the more management becomes a part of your everyday life. What are your thoughts on scaling your company?
0: Yeah, um, I think it's obviously, it's a personal uh, preference, man. I mean, um, I, I got the opportunity to work with our local college and take this business development class. With that class, what I was, asked was, do you want to be a lifestyle business or do you want to scale this business? And I didn't really know what that meant. And what it ended up meaning is it's a lifestyle, exactly how it sounds. I want the business to support my lifestyle, the income level I'm looking for, the stress that I'm okay with, all of those things. And so that was really, that really resonated with me. It allowed me to really understand that I don't need to scale this if I don't want to, I can I can grow at the pace that I want to. At some point, maybe I do want to I I do want it to be a little easier, and I do want to do some more management and less hands on. But right now, I really appreciate and enjoy the time that I get to build, and I I would rather do that than manage a shop full of people.
1: It's very well put. You know, you know, you know your company. You know what you want to get out of working. And maybe it's scaling in the future, maybe it's not. Maybe it's staying a, a small, high-end shop, but it's it's in your control. And that's why you decided to go out on your own. Some advice for people looking to follow a path like yours. What would you tell them if they wanted to get into this industry?
0: it's it is a great opportunity it's fun uh but be prepared for the extreme hard work uh business is no joke running a business is no joke uh i've heard i've heard a lot of people talk about how they don't get to do the stuff that they want to do with woodworking now that it's full-time or their job uh on the opposite side you hear Oh, I just wish I could work, would do woodworking all day, every day. Well, that's never going to happen. So that is the truth. Uh, it, you will get to work a lot with your hands, uh, but you will be running a business a lot of the time as well, and that is hard, very hard. Uh, so, I am not the best entrepreneur. There's things that I could do better. If you're an entrepreneur, maybe it's better and easier. <laughs> But for me, the business side, the communicating with customers, dealing with conflict, um, all of those things are are difficult for me. Um, and I, I just wish I could build furniture all day and that's just not going to happen. So that's kind of be prepared for the hard work. It's worth it. I wouldn't trade it for the world, uh, but it's not this just unbelievably easy, fun thing that you get to enjoy every bit of every day doing. It's a, it's still a job.
1: <laughs> what do you think is harder, the business side of furniture or the making side of furniture?
0: Uh, again, I, I would give it all away if I could. So it's the business side, 100%. Um, there, that's where all the conflict is. That's where the stress is. It's related to money. You want to make it, you want to pay your bills. Um, all of those things that contribute to the business are have to happen, uh, but that's the hardest part for me.
1: Wes, you are in a very enviable position. You are someone who knows themselves, someone who knows what they want out of their day, and by extension, what they want out of their company. You have found yourself in a place through hard work, determination, and skill where you can spend your days building which is what you want to be doing i guess with a little unwanted human interaction thrown in occasionally when you have to deal with clients but in all seriousness you spend your days making furniture you build impressive things none more impressive than the business that you have built for yourself congratulations on all your success and best of luck for your future Thanks, Ethan. Thanks so much for listening to Building a Furniture Brand with Ethan Abramson. If you liked what you heard, you can subscribe to this podcast anywhere you like to listen. To learn more about the show, you can visit buildingafurniturebrand.com and feel free to reach out anytime to say, Hey, ask a question The Media Network and Community for Wood Entrepreneurs. Check out woodpreneurlife.com for more information.